You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates. That stadium is going to be rocking, and heaven help whoever walks in there to play us. Sustained effort and violence, you play your ass off. You're watching the Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Join us every Tuesday night on YouTube Live as we're joined by beat writers and other media members as we take a look at what lies ahead for the Pirates. Now, here are the guys. Here is a first down. Pirates. Welcome in to the Pirate Preview right here on the Sports Objective. East Carolina traveling to Nippert Stadium. On Friday night on ESPN2, that'll be at 8 o'clock against Cincinnati. With us right now, Kyle from LaGrange Barber. What's up, dude? How are you? Oh, it's going to be tired. Uh, the Bearcats coming up on Friday night. Um, obviously, a huge game goes without saying. Uh, can the Pirates pull it off? Can we end the second longest winning streak in America? That'll be great. Bubba Rosenbaum, you're the, number, you're the numbers guy, 31 in a row. And I know you're going to be there at Nippert Stadium, and hopefully uh, I, I think Bubba's going to get a victory for us. Yeah, I can't wait to hit the road on Thursday afternoon after school. Um, obviously have Friday off um, due to Veterans Day. And it's going to be a fun trip. And uh, it's the first time I will have been to a game at Nippert Stadium. I've, I've been to the stadium a couple times, but never seen a ball game. So should be a heck of an atmosphere, and let's hope you know we can uh, – play the way we can play and i think if we do i like our chances about it bubba very excited for the preview we've got a guy that knows a lot about kicking and doing a great job on the for the road games for the pirate sports radio network yeah very excited to have former east carolina punter all-american andrew bays back on the show andrew how are you hey boys how's it going thanks for having me on Oh, yeah. It's going. No doubt about it. We're we're doing well. And uh, Andrew, I want to start with you. You know, I've been ready for this game and pumped up. But the one thing I can say it was nice to take a week off, a week off, even as a fan, a member of the media, enjoy a lot of football, knowing that our Pirates are having an extra week to get ready for a road game at Cincinnati. Yeah, no, absolutely. The extra week, you know, coming off the win at BYU and having an extra week to prepare for Cincinnati going on the road. You know, obviously, it's a um, it's going to be a tough challenge anytime you 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 play there, and especially playing Cincinnati. But you know, they've they've got a chip on their shoulder coming off the loss to UCF, and it's um, you know it's a big week for the Pirates. This is a big big opportunity to kind to kind of you know jump up in the ranks in the conference, as far as maybe even jump up top two in the conference, and um, you know set their sights on on maybe a premium bowl. Yeah, no, Andrew, you just uh, you just said something that, uh, you know, I think Pirate fans are just starting to realize, and, you know, you don't want to put the card ahead of the horse, but, you know, if you do beat the Bearcats, and uh, that sets us up in a situation where if we handle our business after that the rest of the way, and if we can get a little help, uh, but uh, the best case scenario, big picture, would be for the Pirates to win out and for Tulane to win out, because Tulane's going to keep moving up in those poles, and if they were to win out, they'd probably be around 14th by the time East Carolina would have played them in the conference championship, and uh, you, you could be uh, could be a little little cotton bowl. You know, that's a lot to be determined. Big cotton. Yeah, that's, that's a lot to be what? 
that's a lot to be determined. But uh, I, uh, I'm glad you mentioned it. Um, and I don't think it's, I think it's okay to mention it. I think it's okay to dream big. I think it's okay to have goals. I think it's okay to talk about it. We're not playing the game. Uh, you know, the team needs to be focused on Cincinnati, but that's all fun stuff for the media and the fans to talk about. And uh, I think the team's going to be extremely focused. How, Andrew, how much do you think playing out at BYU will benefit this team for this environment Friday night at Cincy? You know, I was thinking thinking about that uh, when we were on the road, kind of thought about it during during the game, and then I, obviously I thought about it after the game. You know, that, that was a hell of a trip uh, for that team, you know, to go out there um, – you know, they, I just remember as a player, you know, in, in college, we never really traveled that far for a game. And, you know, one thing that that is different that, I, that I've noticed on the road with the team is they they don't necessarily get there early. You know, like the teams, the teams I played for both in collegiately and professionally, you 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 land and you go to the stadium and you have a walkthrough. You know, they don't do that these days. And I, I don't think it's not just this coaching staff. I don't know if that's not a trend anymore. So I, I, you know, I was thinking that the team might would struggle with elevation or struggle with being in a a different, tough, hostile environment. And the team, you know, took it in stride. Uh, I thought that they played exceptional for a tough road challenge that that was, um, let alone play a talented BYU team. Yes. They were on their heels, you know, in a, in a rough patch in their season, but there's still a ton of talent on that team. And, um, turned around think, and beat Boise this week. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just, I was really impressed with the fact that they went on the road, you know, with a tough trip like that and handled their business the way that they did uh, on a late start time, you know, a Friday night at eight o'clock, um, is a late start for them is kind of a different deal in a different time zone. And, I thought the Pirates handled it great. So as far as going on the road with Cincinnati, you know, I would think it would be a positive, you know, that they just came off of that trip uh, with success and handled it well. You know, I, I would, I would, you know, you don't know anything really in college football from week to week, but I would see it as a positive as well as, as, as this team handled it. No doubt. Now, Andrew, before we dive into this matchup specifically, um, kind of, we're already going in this direction. You talk about the most recent performance of BYU. I guess the last time we talked to you on the air was uh, after, or maybe even before that South Florida game. And so you had the, you had that victory. Then you had the, the hard fault, well, the loss down at Tulane, where we more so than the other two losses, where we got beat by a better football team that day, uh, where you had Keaton Mitchell and and then also Marlon Gunn who were not full strength, and then Tulane just played very, very well. But uh, since then, you know, a lot of folks disappointed after that 3-3 three and three start. And, you know, I likened it to the 95 team. And that team, you know, finished the season without another loss, and that remains to be seen on this one. But the uh, Pirates have played tremendous football these last three games. Yeah, I mean, you go back to that Tulane game. I, You know, Keaton, I remember making the comment, in the booth, not on air, but Keaton just didn't look right. You know, during warmups, he didn't look right. You know, wasn't taking full reps. He was kind of um, that all that that offense looks extremely different when Keaton is not healthy. Um, and you know, Rajay gotten gotten a little bit dinged up in that game. He 
uh, you know, had his knee injury. And then Marlon Gunn actually came on late in that game and looked great. And then he got dinged up late in that game. So, you know, there were a lot of factors that, you know, the Pirates weren't quite at full strength. And, you know, you take a big threat off the field like Keaton Mitchell and he's not 100 percent, you know, that that offense is not going to click quite the same as as they have been. Um, so, you know, I, m- moving forward, you know, it, it this this offense is very potent um, and I'm excited to see what they're what they're going to do against this defense. Yeah. And to yeah. your point about Keaton Mitchell I mean, and just out of curiosity, I looked it up uh, right before the show started. And he ranks second nationally, just over seven yards per carry. Yeah, wow. I mean, they, <laughs> you know, I haven't looked at any of the national s- statistics, but I mean, you see it when you watch him. I mean, he he rarely, you know, when he it's a little bit different for him when he's between the tackles and kind of down in those goal line situations that that they put him in against BYU, which you know is a tough, I think, a tough spot for him. But yeah, a gun needs to be in there. But in space. And you can get him on the edge. That was clearly their their strategy going against BYU, and BYU did not have an answer for that. When you know long long field and a lot of grass was ahead of him. And what's amazing about Keaton is when he when he breaks free, nobody touches him. Like I mean, it, even if it's a twenty yard scamper, you know he's ending up in the sideline or in the end zone with nobody touching him. It's a, it's incredible what kind of gift he has. No, I agree. Keaton's got a, got, a, got a lot of speed, obviously, Chris Johnson-esque, to make a comparison to another Pirate. And uh, during the BYU game, he was fantastic. Um, you know, Cincinnati's defense is, is very potent. Um, their offense this year um, has been decent. They, they, they haven't broke uh, 30 points since the Indiana game back in September. Uh, been, been you kind of, you know, in the 20s each game, but they don't need a lot of points most games. <laughs> because of their defense. Um, what have you seen? I don't know how much tape you've watched, how much you've watched of, of the Bearcats. What, what have you What have you seen from Cincinnati offensively that you think is going to pose a threat to the Pirates' defense? Yeah, I haven't quite taken my deep dive into it, but I have I have taken a little bit. You know, I took, took some of the highlights and some of the tape of the UCF game, and UCF gashed them. I mean, they, they rushed for, what, over 250 yards on that defense. Um, which was kind of unexpected. I know they've they've got an outside linebacker, Ivan Pace. He's got eight sacks and he's on a Bednarik radar. His um, Buckus linebacker of the month, just a complete stud. And I know they've got talent on that defense, but to get gashed up like that, um, obviously, you know, is it is an issue uh, for them going into you know, what I would see is a, is a strength of the pirates is a rushing attack. And, you know, what I saw with that Cincinnati defense, just, you know, in the, in the brief snips I saw was a lot of uh, missed tackles, especially in that UCF game. And, you know, with missed tackles, that's not a good thing to put on tape when you're, when you're going against Keaton Mitchell. Um, You know, if you had your hands full with RJ Harvey, you know, you're going to have your heart hands full with Keaton Mitchell and the way the offense East, the, the pirate offensive line played against, you know, that, that was a concern of mine is how the offensive line against BYU was going to come out with BYU size. And to be honest with you, they, they were moving bodies. They were, they were creating holes and moving bodies that whole game. Um, so the pirates have proven in the line of, you know, line of scrimmage and 
the point of attack that they can move some bodies and open up some holes. Um, so maybe, maybe Cincinnati, you know, put a little something on tape that pirates can, you know, maybe dig into and take advantage of moving forward into this week. Yeah. And I hope to, to make a point you made about using, um, Keaton and goal line situations against, uh, BYU. Uh, and I know it's, it's a trust issue. Marlon Gunn has, has shown great ball security so far, but he's still a freshman. I, I would hope that we work Marlon Gunn quite a bit in goal line situations during the uh, off week because, you know, he's not he's not Rajah Harris, but he's got more size and direct hole hitting ability just to go forward than Keaton does. I, I'd really like to see us use uh, Gunn more down in the goal line uh, going forward. Well, Kyle, if you remember back, at, you know, that final drive closing out the game yeah. at BYU, he turned the ball to Marlon Gunn. It was – well, Keaton, know, I think Keaton, I think Keaton's banged up a little bit during, so he had to. Correct, but that those are all positive signs, I think, for that coaching staff to maybe have a little bit more faith. You know, the fact that they were able to turn to him, he did his job. He was able to get the, you know, for those runs to be able to get, you know, the field goal position in a in center a the dang ball. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Center it up and given a given a reasonable distance. Um, so, you know, maybe that will show some some uh, some positive things for coaching staff to trust them down down in the goal line. Yeah, to your point, Andrew, um, Matt Semenza, who's unfortunately not able to join us tonight due to some work obligations, uh, very busy week for him. But uh, I know Matt was putting some stuff on social media, some clips from that BYU game, like you're referencing our, our first touchdown, Keith Mitchell's. 39 yard run or whatever it was to the house um, where it was basically just a you know, 35, 40 yard sprint um, where Avery Jones, Isaiah foot and company did a tremendous job and, and Keaton didn't have to put a move on anyone. No. Yeah, no. I mean, it was, I was kind of watching that through the night. Um, like I said, that was one of the concerns I had with, with BYU size, both on the offensive line and defensive line is how we were going to handle that. And, Mike Houston's done a great job, fellas. Um, you know, I, I know at times it was frustrating in the first couple of years because it didn't seem like, you know, it was taking shape fast enough for, you know, us as fans um, to see the turnaround. But to his credit, you know, he's been patient with restructuring this roster and he's done a great job of it. Um, you know, I the, the offensive line held up great against big 12 you know future big 12 teams and you know i think the future is bright as far as you know what they're going to be able to do in in recruiting and being able to you know increase the depth which is obviously our biggest concern as we're building a roster is just depth but you know i think um mike houston's done an outstanding job building building these uh building these trenches yeah you something that i saw on um one of the message boards the other day that, you know, it hadn't even occurred to me, but it's true. Going back to last year, um, I believe we are 10 and four over our last 14 games. Yeah, it's outstanding. And the, the another stat, I, I don't have it in front of me, but we've been, you know, to, to go back, Bubba, to you're talking about the team, the 95 team and the teams of the nineties, you know, they were built on when, when in the fourth quarter, you know, it was it was Jeff Connor strength and conditioning. It was, 
you know, we're, you know, we're, we're going to train harder than everybody else because we have to, uh, because we're not as talented, but we're going to, you know, we're going to win these games late and we're going to steal these games from these better, you know, these better programs. And that's what we did. And I, I think Mike Houston is, is somewhat molding these teams in a similar light, whether it's intentional or, or, you know, it's just the way he builds, builds programs. It, it you're seeing these teams get stronger in the fourth quarter. They're not fading. You know, their, their conditioning is, I, I would say outstanding, especially on the road at BYU in a tough environment. They, they did not um, falter. They just got, I, I feel like they got stronger towards the end of the game. Yeah. Big John's going to help a job and uh, he's a very low key guy, you know, unlike Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff, Jeff Connors is fantastic, but Jeff Connors, Totally different personality than Big John. Big John is very low key, and uh, but is it, not getting a doesn't get a lot of credit. Doesn't get mentioned a lot, but deserves a lot of credit for how well conditioned we are as a football team. Yeah, I mean he's he, he you know just traveling with the team. He is a very quiet guy, um, but yeah, I agree. He's he doesn't get enough credit because the the team is holding up late late in games. And when you're holding up late in games like that, especially close games, you're, you're going to be in it as far as, you know, the ability to steal a win. Well, Dave, I know you had something you want to chime in with, but while we're on this topic very quickly as far as the run game, something else that just came to mind that I meant to mention in our playback for that BYU game, the Pirates only threw 22 passes, and that's the, the fewest passes we've thrown against the FBS opponent this year. Um, against Campbell, we only threw 20. Yeah, it was it was a curious game um, as you went along because it it just did not seem like it was a it was you know they could not get CJ going. Usually in a game like that, you would think CJ would you know have he got banged up early. Yeah, 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 yeah. He you know he just wasn't a factor you know especially over the middle of the field. Isaiah got his you know got his catches and some yardage, but it it wasn't you know it it was more. I think the game plan was more get Keaton in space and create damage that way and, you know, start picking up first downs, however you got to do it aside from that. And, um, I, I, you know, the game plan worked. No doubt. Uh, Andrew, what I wanted to talk about was overall, I think this uh, team is peaking at the right time. And one of the things you guys in the 90s had is you guys, when you went on that field, you expected to win, even if it was, uh, you know, I know you guys were, referred to many times as the giant killers, but it seems like this team is, is really confident. They believe themselves. They like each other. You look at, they look like they're having fun uh, when they're playing the game. And for me personally, it's been exciting as a, as a fan, because uh, you're watching the team, you're going, man, I hate, this is one of those seasons where it's going so fast that you're like enjoying every second of it, knowing that you only have a few more games left. Yeah, well, I mean, as a fan, the, these seasons have been hard to come by over, <laughs> over you know, a stretch of time. You know, there's been some some ugly football in the not so distant past, and um, so, you know, these kids were a part of some of the ugliness too. You know, I mean, Holton's been through this this group of seniors; they've been through some some ugly times, and I think. They're what you're seeing as a fan, what we're all seeing as a fan is they're being able to enjoy, you know, the fruits of their labor. It's it's a whole lot more fun when you're starting to put pieces together and, 
you're in control in football games and you're not, you know, you're not coming from behind or you're not losing or you're not, you know, chasing an offense all over the field. You're, you're able to kind of, you know, get in control of games and, and set the tone. And I feel like that's what this pirate football team has been able to do in games, specifically on the office offensive side of the ball. And heck, I mean, defense has been showing up, you know, in red zone throughout the whole season. So, you know, when, when you have a defense that, you know, can answer and get the ball back for, you know, the offense and the offense to actually do something with it when they get it, they, you know, these, you know, I, I, I would have to think these, these boys are having fun, you know, and it's, it's been a long time coming for them. So they should enjoy every bit of it. Yeah. It was great. Just, you know, last year we got a seven wins, got to a bowl game, unfortunately didn't get to play the bowl game because Boston college, uh, backed out. And by the way, uh, I'll, I'll just mention this and we'll move on past it. But I think Boston College kind of set their culture last year by declining to play in that bowl game as they're a two-win football team this year. So uh, that's what happens when you, uh, when, when, you, when, you, when, you, when you when you set that kind of culture and you, and you accept that kind of stuff from your players. Um, that's what happens. So let's right. be a lesson to a lot of football teams out there come this bowl season when you got players that don't want to play in the bowl. But um, – Anyway, uh, I was going to mention seven wins last year. We built on that this year. To me, personally, for Holton, knowing how much Holton loves this program, knowing how Holton grew up a pirate, um, you know, he, he's loved it his whole life, like me, like Bubba, like like Dave since he was a teenager. We all, all three of us were pirates, you know, since, since a young age. And Holton was the same way. And, you know, all the, there's been so many people that have been negative over Holton over the years, which I've never understood why. Um, I've always seen Holton's potential. To me, it, it's always been the offensive line or the lack of a running game that has held Holton back. And sometimes, you know, Holton hasn't made great decisions, but I, I don't believe Holton's turned the ball over since the Tulane game, has he? Well, I, I think – I don't know about the turnovers. I know it's been very few. He only has five picks for the whole year. But, you know, Donnie Kirkpatrick, it was last uh, – not last week, but the week ahead of the BYU game – you know, he he talked about Holton and he talked about, you know, this process and he talked about how, you know, to to, you know, fuel the critics early. You know, Holton was Donnie was saying Holton was trying to do too much on his own yep. because, you know, he didn't feel or trust, you know, that the offense or, you know, his teammates could could come through. So he was forcing issues he was you know throwing bad balls he was doing things to try to make plays and ultimately you know it would result in a negative play and you know something bad for the team but it was it was not because of you know um try you know effort i guess is what i'm trying to say he was trying to he was trying to win football games through doing things on its own. And, you know, what Donnie was, was highlighting was this year, it's, it's been awesome to see him trust, you know, his teammates and trust other players on the team to, to, you know, come through. He doesn't have to come through all the time. He can be a bit more conservative and, you know, pick and choose his battles and not have to force balls and not try to, you know, make a play with his legs, uh, which we've seen a lot less of this year, but, but, you know, I, I think I made a comment during the BYU game. He He's able to pick up positive yardage on busted plays and preserve a down and distance, which, you know, I think prior to he'd get himself some trouble with negative plays, scrambling around, losing yards. You know, I've noticed this year 
you know, he, he is focused on keeping a positive down and distance. And that makes a difference when you're, when you're looking at third and four versus third and nine, your playbook is completely different. And the, you know, the plays that he has available, available to him at third and four is a significant difference. Um, So I think, you know, we're seeing a, a significant evolution of his game this year in trusting his teammates. And it's been pretty fun to watch. Taking a look at Cincinnati defensively earlier, Andrew, you referenced Ivan Pace Jr. He's someone that Mike Houston talked about in today's press conference, um, just saying that he's Miami of Ohio transfer, and he's a Cincinnati native, so he's coming back home to uh, play for the Bearcats. Uh, six feet, 235 pounds, and Coach Houston referred to him as the best linebacker we've seen, and that's high praise with the guys uh, that we've seen at NC State and Tulane. Etc. Uh, so, Pirates will have to 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 find number number zero. Excuse me. And uh, he he has 97 tackles. He leads the nation in TFLs with 19, and is tied for seventh with nine sacks. And then in the secondary, they have uh, cornerback Arquan Bush, six feet, 198 pounds, two picks for him. And then number three, Javon Hicks. Uh, 6'2", 210-pound safety, who also has two interceptions. So so keep an eye on zero, nine, and three when the Pirates had the football. Yeah, I mean, they um, – you know, the other the other number that stands out is they've, they've, they've got a, quite a few penalties. I mean, if they have through this batch of games, they've got 78 penalties on the, on a year, which is a fairly big number, and they're giving up about 75 yards a game in penalties. Um, so discipline obviously could be an issue, you know, and those are types of things that in a close game like this, if, you know, they're doing some some things to, to build up some penalties, that's obviously going to help the Pirates. But, you know, you talked about you talked about Ivan Pace Jr. with 96 tackles. I mean, that's an astounding number, um, you know, looking at the rest of the defense and, where everybody else falls, that's almost double what what the second tackler is on that team. So, you know, obviously that guy we're going to see all over the field um, buzzing all over the place. So, you know, Pirates are going to have their hands full, but it's another great challenge. Um, you know, they've they've seen defenses with with quite a bit of talent, and um, you know they've answered. So this is going to be a good test for them on the road. That's a great point regarding the penalties. That's something I told Kyle a few days ago, maybe even a couple weeks ago, when I heard a commentator say that in their game against SMU about how frustrating it had to be for Luke Fickle because they had an abundance of penalties uh, headed into their off week, and then they're coming off the, the open date, and then they still had the same issue in that narrow victory at SMU. Um, but And so – just for our listeners, and they are tied for 128th nationally, and, and that is dead last because it's about a four or five way tie, um, and nearly nine penalties per game, as opposed to the Pirates who are tied for third nationally uh, with less than four penalties a game. I think it's like 3.7 or 3.8 penalties a game. That is incredible to be a two off football team have that many, have that many penalties. Yeah, it was a, it was a number that jumped off the page for me when I saw it. I mean, that's 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 a lot. And I know, 
I mean, heck, you go back to the great Miami Hurricane teams, you know, some of these great teams in college football past. I mean, and if, it doesn't necessarily have an, uh, an effect on a great team, you know, and it, it could be a personality trait of that, of a Aggression, defense, yeah. you know, um, that's just their edge. So until I dig into it, but that that's one that's one number that definitely stands out. I uh, would be interested to know, you know, if, if, if what kind of penalties is it? Is, is it off? Is it you know offsides on the defense? If they if they if they're if they're if they're prone to pass interference penalties, uh, that 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 could be huge for us. The way they like to blitz and play man coverage, with the way uh, we've been able to in recent history, hope it holds up, kind of assault man coverage. Um, so that that'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, against man coverage, I, I'll take I'll take the Pirates with all the weapons that the Pirates have been able to unleash um, this season on the offensive side of the ball. There's a lot of tough, you know, man coverage options for the defense, um, and Holton's doing a great job getting through his progressions and finding the the, the right mismatch. So, you know, it'd be interesting to see how how this game plays out. Would you guys go? Uh, no huddle and like up tempo, like for knowing that we're playing Cincinnati and knowing that we have the weapons we do to kind of like get like punch them in the face first and to keep them from substituting. Um, yeah, uh, we don't do that. Um, I, so I don't, I don't know if you add a wrinkle this late in the season. Um, I wouldn't have a problem with it, but we it's not something we really do. Yeah. So you, you kind of just want to execute what you do. Um, I, I, I would not, like I said before the show, to me, this is a game on the road playing a team that has won 31 straight at home. If you can make a big play on special teams, a block punt, a kickoff return for a touchdown, um, something like that, uh, a block field goal, to me, a big special teams play in this game um, could be huge. This, this is, okay. I got this, it. How about okay. Malik Fleming running one back? That'd be great. Maybe, uh, hey, Dave, how much would you like this? Uh, maybe a fake punt. I would love it. But, you know, maybe a, executed a little better than we – or in a better situation than we did against Memphis. Uh, well, fourth right, and 19, today. right? Good <laughs> God almighty. Whew. Yeah, now it's – I'm trying to remember the, the point I was going to make, but uh, I'm sure it may come back to me in a moment. But uh, something else I wanted to bring up is, is – um, something I know you and I had talked about, Kyle, and that is just taking taking a look at things uh, from the – sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, what, what, what are you, Ron Robinson, Bubba? Um, I, uh, no, no, I'm, go ahead. I uh, – no, I, uh, I, I don't know where Bubba was going with that, but uh, – Well, neither do I, obviously. <laughs> But I'll... <laughs> uh, the show's falling apart here late. Um, but no, uh, obviously, uh, Cincinnati is a, is a huge challenge. Um, Andrea, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, if you've gauged anything from traveling with this team after the BYU game. Um, do they have this one circled? Uh, I kind of, I kind of have the feeling they had two games circled this year: UCF and Cincinnati. Uh, do, do you get that sense? No, absolutely. Without question, this is, you know, I, I know you mentioned uh, you guys haven't been out to Nipper Stadium. I've, I've played there twice, and um, it's a tough environment. I mean, it's right in the middle of the city. It's one of those uh, 
stadiums where the the stadium is kind of uh, recessed into the ground down you know where you're, you're kind of looking up to skyscrapers around you uh it gets loud it's unique because it's right down in the city a lot of noise bounce off, bounces off those uh big buildings down there and um it's a it's a fun place to play i always enjoy playing there um but yeah this this is one that the pirates want i think this is one that you know as, as a season has progressed um it's gotten you know it, it's gotten more bold on that schedule as far as you know this is this is one that i think this uh this coaching staff really wants yeah and i, and I would caution the team and the coaches on this one win or lose you got to play Houston next week Mm-hmm. And uh, that's going to be a huge game, and it's big either way because if you lose, you, you, you definitely don't want to lose that and start, start tailspinning and then having to try to salvage, you know, a, a good ending, you know, against Temple to, to take momentum into a bowl. So uh, if you lose, you definitely want to make sure you, you come out and win on senior day. And if you win, uh, now all of a sudden you, you're, you you got the potential to try to get to the conference championship game. So uh, either way, I'd, I'd caution the team and the coaching staff to – yeah, obviously, this one's big, but the Houston game after is just as big. Yeah, no question. No, I recall what it was. It was I was talking about the uh, the two minute approach and just up tempo. And no, it's clearly not something that we're going to do very much for a variety of reasons. And it's not what we do. We don't play enough skill guys. Correct to, to do it and. But I do think it's something that I'd like to see us mix in a time or two a game just as a, a curveball for the defense. And I, I think that it could be to our benefit, especially since we have a, a veteran quarterback like we do and uh, you, you get the defense on its heels and you know, have a few solid games from Keaton Mitchell and with the, the skill guys we do have, uh, Winstead, Johnson, Ryan Jones. I think we can make some things happen. But the other thing that I was going to bring up that Kyle and I have discussed, and that's something that was – my mind was refreshed by Richard Allsbrook chiming in. He said he had just joined the broadcast at Cincinnati get out of the Navy game healthy. I'm not sure, Richard. Uh, we'll see uh, see what we can dig up on that. But um, that's something that's an excellent point because, uh, you know, so many times – you know, we, we've been in that situation where it's, it's worked against us as far as a matchup with Navy and, and when Navy fell on our schedule. So it could work to our benefit this time if they maybe got beat up a little bit in the trenches. And and something else to consider, Navy runs the same de- defense uh, yes. that we, we do because uh, their defensive coordinator came from Kennesaw State, um, which is where Blake Harrell came from. Yeah, and that's something that I, I, I'm curious. Who is that a bigger advantage for Cincinnati? They just saw this defense, or can we take things off of film that Navy did against them and utilize it to our advantage? I don't know where that advantage lies. I don't know if that advantage lies to us or if it lies to like, since he's seeing the same defense essentially two weeks in a row in terms of the way we the way it's played. So I, I don't know where the advantage is there. I don't know if the advantage is us because you know we can see what Navy did that worked and what didn't work. Or if it's advantage Cincinnati because they're preparing for the same defense in terms of um, what we try to do, uh, not the same. So we got more talent than Navy, but uh, that's that's a, that's an interesting. Andrew, where would you say, man? Would would you say that a lot? You know, advantage more Cincy for seeing the same de- defense two weeks in a row, or more than the Pirates because of things we can take off film. 
I would say that it's it's an advantage to see a similar style defense, you know, um, two weeks in a row. I mean, I, I remember, you know, seasons where we, you know, were, were playing triple option teams and it was maybe not in successive weeks, but very close to successive weeks. And it it's so foreign that, you know, getting the extra reps definitely prepares you to you know what I mean? Where you wouldn't otherwise get those extra reps against that offensive front or defensive front in this this light. I think it, you know, is definitely a, a slight advantage. I mean, there's obviously wrinkles and different things that each defense does inside of the structure, but um, you know, to see similar kind of fronts and that kind of thing, it 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 definitely can help, you know, as far as just getting extra reps. I have some questions on YouTube and Facebook. Um, Irving Bennett chimes in on YouTube saying for Andrew, as, you know, as well as everyone on the show here, uh, why have the offenses over the last several years abandoned having the quarterback under center, you know, especially in a situation uh, short yardage, um, be it um, at the goal line or really anywhere on the field where a quarterback sneak would be as because because you're you're snapping the ball, the center snapping the ball, shotgun the whole game. Yeah, and it's, you you don't practice it. You know you you could practice it. You could you could practice it for goal line, but then you're 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 getting a different. You're having your quarterback center exchange. Maybe you could have a center if you had enough depth there just for those situations. Um, but otherwise, you're asking the center to to do a completely different quarterback center exchange, and it's just. The game has gone more and more spread. It's pretty much all spread now that it's just when you don't do it all game and then all of a sudden you get in the red zone and you do it, uh, you, you risk screwing up more than you than you, you, you logically it makes sense because it's a tighter situation. You want to get in the end zone, short yardage or down the goal line, but you, you, you have a bigger chance of error because you just don't practice it. Yeah. Well, I, I think I, I think they I think it's definitely like QB sneaks and those types of things, they're, they're definitely in the, in the playbook and definite options. But when you, when you have an offense that is RPO heavy, you know, and you're, you're out of the shotgun formation, you're, you're, you want that RPO option. So even in a goal line situation, you want to stretch, you want to stretch that defense out as much as you can. And if you have the threat of an RPO, you know, from a shotgun position, um, or alignment, you you have way more options that the defense has to account for. And I think as an offensive coordinator, you know, Donnie would much rather have, you know, a defense second-guessing what they might be doing out of an RPO um, alignment or formation. Um, and that, you know, the game's just way more technical than it, than it was before. So, you know they're they're trying to get the odds, and you 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 have a lot more odds in your favor with under an RPO formation. And another question, and this one's more for Andrew. Uh, also, what's up with all the rugby style punters these days? Yeah, I, I mean that's 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 a good question, man. I I I know that um, it it garners good hang time you're not going to get great distance with uh rugby style end over end punt but what you what you are guaranteed is hang time and you know i think 
what happens is these coaches just want a conservative approach. So give me a bunch of hang time with less risk of a shank or, you know, a line drive punt. Give me something that's going to go, you know, maybe four, two to 4.5 in hang time. And, you know, is more than likely going to get fair caught. It might only render a 36 yard punt, but, you know, you'll take the 36 yard net versus a possible return. So, you know, some of these special teams approaches over the years have gotten way more conservative and, um, you know, they're trying to prevent blocks with the spread formation and they're trying to buy, you know, with the rugby style, the punter is able to kind of run, run off to the right or his kick, kicking side. And he buys, he buys those uh, coverage guys a little bit more time to cover before he punts it. So, um, you know, I think that's why you see a little bit more of that. Andrew, can you still call from corner? I, you know, I can. I mean, I, I was out this summer, you know, working with, with some local kids, uh, some local high school kids. And, um, you know, I feel like I, I, I can still produce at a decent level. <laughs> there you go. He's still, you, you're going to go back to the league. You know, if anybody needs a punter late in the season. Yeah, I, I need I need some muscles though, some muscles and some flexibility. You got to. <laughs> now speaking of the the kicking game and being able to pin the opponent deep, um, that's something that Mason Fletcher, Cincinnati's punter, has done very well um, on his forty one punts. Twenty two have pinned the opposition inside the twenty yard line, and he's averaging forty seven and a half yards per punt. Um, so, yes, the Pirates kickoff team. Uh, return teams, they, they've been solid. Uh, the other two, you know, the PAT field goal and punt have been a work in progress, as we know. And so the on the kicking and punting aspect, and the Bearcats will certainly have an advantage. Um, and and as far as their place kicker, Ryan Coe, he's 13 of 17 with a long of 52, and, and he's three out of five from beyond 40 yards. Um, 38 of his 59 kickoffs have been for touchbacks. So right, at, right, right at sixty-seven percent. Let's hope yeah, we this, hold them to a lot of field goal attempts. Yeah, this punter is uh, this punter is very, uh, I would say, special. I mean, he had has got a long of eighty-four, and of his forty-one punts, twenty-two of them have been inside the twenty. Um, you know, with thirteen of those forty-one punts being over fifty yards, so that forty-seven point five yard punting average is is legit, especially when you consider the 22 punts inside the 20 um, and 16 of, of those fair caught. So he's a, he will be a threat. And, you know, that's one thing you look for in the punting game is a guy that, you know, can turn the field. Um, we haven't seen a lot, seen it a lot from pirate perspective, you know, where, where offense stalls out and you need a big, big punt, you know, to stretch the field. You know, Cincinnati's been able to get that this year out of out of their punter, um, and those those are game changing type punts. His eighty four yard punt, you know, I was certainly I'm sure a game changer. Hey, quickly, Andrew, I wanted to ask you because of being a special teams guy that you are and a Hall of Famer for East Carolina. Uh, the last time we had you on, we were talking about the struggles of the special teams. I just want to get your take. I know what my take is, but I'm not a Hall of Famer, ECU. I coached football, didn't play football, but tell me what your thoughts are 
now that we're basically through three quarters of the season? Yeah, I mean, as a, as a unit, um, you know, they've they've certainly had their ups and downs, and you know, as a as a unit, I think they would obviously would much rather be in a better spot than they are right now, especially with the team success. You want to be able to, as a special teams player, you want to be able to share in that team success. And, um, you know, sometimes when you're, when you're having poor performances, it's hard to share, share in that success, um, especially in the locker room. Um, you, you as a competitive athlete, you want to, you want to thrive with your teammates. And um, so, you know, between Daffer and Conrad, you know, they've, they both had, you know, clearly over the course of the year, they've had their ups and downs and, you know, it makes it tough for the coaches as far as, you know, you, you, you saw it late in the BYU game, as far as, you know, decisions to, that they, that they made, you know, down for, what was it? Fourth and goal. Um, the one that they came up short, yeah. you know, they could have kicked the field goal. There was uh, f- what, four or five minutes left in the game, or I can't remember that drive. I think there was three or four minutes left. You know, they could have kicked three there um, and been in good position, had the defense hold. And, um, you know, they, Holton was pretty adamant yelling at the sideline that they, they wanted to stay on the field and go for it. Well, and, we got the first down there. It was a terrible spot, and I couldn't believe they didn't review it. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as a kicker, you want to be in that position. You want to be the guy that they turn to. It's automatic. Let's go. Let's do it. Um, it's automatic points. And the Pirates have have not had that this year as far as just automatic points. Um, you know, and you watch other programs and it's a it is, you know, you look at it as a luxury. Certain teams that are just able to collectively get their get their kicking game uh, on point and score points when needed. So. You know, it's. I think with with these two young kickers, it's a work in progress. Um, you know, uh, the the punting aspect of it, it is what it is. It's been up and down. Um, I think you know, I think he's got a, a big leg. I don't think the the coaching staff asked him to do a lot of, you know, uh, field changing type punts. I think a lot of it is just kind of rugby style directional hang times type punt. So it's hard to critique him as much. Um, but as far as the field goal aspect, they collectively as a group, they, they need to be better. They need to be more consistent. Um, and that's on them. I mean, you can, you can try to coach it. You can, you know, but these, these guys are division one kickers. Um, they, she, they should expect to be more productive. And I expect them in the future to be more productive they're just you know they're they're young so they're going through they've never had this pressure before and once you start missing kicks it it changes the landscape of when you run on that field for the next one you know all of a sudden you've got a bunch of pressure that you've never had before and um so you know we'll see as as the season goes on and see as their careers go on i expect it to get better but uh right now i think we're just living through some growing pains yeah, I have two more questions about special teams before we wrap it up. I don't know if anybody has anything else, but uh, do do you think that kick, even though it was ugly, will give Conrad, you know, more confidence making that kick against BYU? Um, and then the second thing is Andrew, you being a former punter, you always see a lot with special teams coordinators. They're coaching other positions. Most of the time, their background is not as a kicker. Why do you think is it more kickers like you aren't employed as special teams coordinators at the FBS level? 
Um, well, there's a lot that goes into, you know, usually like my special teams coach was, uh, was Jerry McManus. He was a running backs coach right. and he was an exceptional, um, uh, special teams coach. And a lot goes into that. You, you have to coach, you know, blocking technique for punt, punt, uh, coverage and punt rush and kickoff coverage and kickoff return. There's a lot that goes into that. And, you know, not a lot of kickers can translate, you know, the basic concepts of blocking and tackling, you know, that goes into being a great special teams coach. Makes sense. Um, so, you know, Coach McManus was exceptional. Um, you know, his his running backs were always great blockers. That was, you know, one of his trademarks. So that was a great fit for him because it was very similar contact style blocking and, and punt protection and punt coverage. Uh, as well as jamming at the line of scrimmage for gunners and, um, you know, uh, punt, punt, uh, punt return gunners. Um, so, but as far as, you know, following up on your, your kicker question, I'm sorry, I, that one escaped me. What, what was your kicker? Do you think uh, Conrad, even despite it being an ugly kick, oh, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kick at BYU, I think how much goes, confidence do you think it'll give him? I think it goes a long way because really when you're a young kicker like that, you're trying to win over a, lock, a locker room. And you've got a lot of leaders in there that you look up to and you want to feel comfortable walking in that locker room, you know, not being in a position where they look at you as, you know, someone that's missing kicks, but, you know, him coming in that locker room after that game winner as, as, you know, as ugly as it was, I think for him, it's a huge confidence booster because now he's got his team behind him and practice is a little bit different. You know, those guys are, patting him on the back in the, in the cafeteria and talking to him a little bit differently this week um, than they were, you know, maybe prior to until, um, you know, he was able to prove himself in that game. So for him, I absolutely, that was 100% confidence booster. Andrew, um, we had one more question regarding kicking. Um, wanted to go ahead and get to it from Robert Dedrick before I shift to had one more point on each side of the ball, but uh, Robert asked on YouTube, what about icing the kicker before field goals? Um, what, what's your thought there? And and um, obviously BYU elected to do that there at the end to Andrew Conrad, but was unsuccessful. Yeah, I mean it, it is it it, um, it is a time you know that timeout does give the kicker, especially on the road like that, a bit more time to think about it. And kickers their their biggest enemy is their brain what's between their ears and um you know if if someone you know the best kickers you look at justin tucker in the nfl i mean you you can't ice that guy he's about as mentally tough as they come so in a situation it's kind of a loaded question because if you're icing a guy that you know is not mentally tough it's a great timeout. It's a great use of a timeout to ice them. Um, you know, it, you don't, you're not going to lose anything, but a guy that is mentally tough. Now you've given him a bit more time to maybe kind of go through and him realize, you know what, there's a, there's a hole where I'm, where I would be stepping. I'm going to fill that hole in, you know, so my plant foot isn't wrong. So you've given a wise kicker or somebody that's mentally tough a bit more time to, to sort through, his checklist of how he's going to make this field goal. 
Um, so it, you know, it's a different question for every kicker. You know, if you know, you've got a, a not mentally tough kicker, you're going to ice them. That's a great move. But if it's a guy that's, um, as tough as they come, um, you know, it's probably a wasted, wasted timeout. You might would have been better just rolling with it and taking your shot, you know, at not icing him. I always think it's a good idea to call the first one if you got two timeouts and then get on the sideline and look like you're going to call the second one and then not, and then not call it. And yeah. See if you can just catch, you know, catch the kick or not. Thank you. You're going to call it and mess with him that way and, and miss the kick. Yeah. Just the anticipation of the timeout. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I agree. Johnny Robertson chimed in on Facebook, also along the line of special teams as well as defense. He said the Bearcats have had either a defensive and or special teams touchdown in each of their last four games against the Pirates, three pick sixes and a a blocked field goal um, return for a touchdown. Hopefully this streak will end on Friday. Yeah, that's that's the type of thing that uh, obviously in what will probably – be a four-quarter game that will come down to the waning minutes. We shall see. Um, something like that would be a backbreaker. Yeah, uh, and, that, and that was kind of my point earlier that it would be a great game to make that kind of play. I mentioned it on special teams, but a turnover, a pick six, anything like that that we could do on the road would would be huge in this game. And um, you know, getting back to what we talked about. And just how good each one of these teams are defensively. Bearcats allowing just 21 points a game. Pirates allowing just over 23 points a game. And uh, I know you and I have talked about, Kyle, how we could see this one being 24-21, something like that. Um, So – Taking a look at the Pirates, you know we've been tremendous in the in the red zone defensively. Um, not as good offensively, although it's been better here of late, um, from what I recall. And uh, and then Cincinnati, um, they've been pretty good in the in the uh, red zone offensively and, and as well as defensively. So um, that's something to to keep an eye on. Uh, a little about the Bearcats offensively, we we haven't really touched on that as of yet that I recall, but uh, Ben Bryant, their, their quarterback, began his career at Cincinnati, then yeah. went to Eastern Michigan and came back. Um, but Ridiculous. Yeah, in, in, uh, in their nine games, uh, he, he's attempted 35 passes in at least six of those nine, and you know, interestingly, not, and not surprisingly, uh, three of those games that he attempted 40 in, they lost two of them. The only one they won where he attempted 40 passes was against Indiana. Uh, so, but he, but he's a solid quarterback, 18 touchdowns, six picks, and he's had five games where he's thrown for essentially 300 yards or more and uh, completing more than 63%. Uh, and then top running back, Charles McClellan, Averaging right at six and a half yards a carry, uh, a little over 700 yards and six touchdowns. And then their top two receivers are Tyler Scott and Trey Tucker. Uh, they have in excess of 40 catches and uh, well over 500 yards. And um, Tyler Scott's the big play threat, more than 16 yards per catch and eight touchdowns. Yeah, I actually bought better off the numbers than I thought. Um... Because, you know, I, they haven't broke 30 since that Indiana game. But uh, they don't have to very often. They play such good defense and special teams that 
normally uh, if they can score 24, they win most of the games. You guys uh, want to give uh, score predictions for this game, Andrew? I don't know if you can or not, but uh, or, or uh, I, do, do you uh, you guys have a score in mind? I do. I have one in my head. The one, yeah. Are you going to go first, Andrew? Or can you or not? Being an analyst, yes. I, I mean, I, I mean, I'll, I'll throw one out there. Um, Pirates, Pirates twenty three twenty. All right. That's very similar to mine, Andrew. I'm going to go Pirates 24 20. All right. I actually had 28 24 Pirates. Is my, that was what I was thinking. Uh, I knew we were going to do that tonight, this afternoon at work. I uh, was trying to come up with what I thought would be the. I know it's not going to be a high scoring game, but I think it's going to be a really tight game, something like that. I'll go um, just to be different. When Kyle, didn't you say 24 20? Correct. Because that's kind of what I had in mind. So I, I'll say, uh, I'll say twenty-seven, twenty-four parts. And so, so there's something in the back of my mind, and I'm going to say this on the air. And then uh, if I'm wrong, you know, but I'm going to put it out there. Maybe put pause. I just, I, I just, I don't know. If even though I predicted twenty-four twenty, something in my head just, just tells me we might hold them into the teens. I, I don't know why. Maybe it's just wishful thinking, but I just, I gotta. I got a sneaky feeling, but we'll see what happens. Hey, that that would be great. I mean, I, I definitely think Andrew, this uh, Cincinnati team has talent, but they're not the super seniors, uh, the COVID seniors uh, that we they had. Um, and I think that that's uh, that plays to our advantage. I think we're the older team, and I think that's going to this team is peaking at the right time. They've really come together at, at, and. Uh, it's a November to remember. I'll say it right here. Um, call it cheesy as you want or corny as you want. I think that the, the best teams are playing well in November, and I, I think we're one of those teams, and we'll see how it plays out on Friday night at, uh, at 8 o'clock. Uh, definitely we won't get blown out. If it's if it's a loss, it's not going to be the Cincinnati of the old and like, oh, gosh, here we go again. No, I'd be I'd be highly shocked if, if either team blew the other one out this weekend. I think it'll be a close game and isn't it great as we wrap this up to be a six point yeah. underdog on the road at a team that's won thirty one in a row at home. And you know, our fan base by and large thinks we're gonna win this game. I think uh hopefully we can capitalize and uh you know, I, I hope if, if if for some reason we come up a little short, hope the fan base stays positive and shows up for that Houston game for senior day. No doubt about it. And uh, Andrew, thank you so much, man. Appreciate it so much. In fact, I'll be listening to the call on Friday night uh, here in in Williamston, my home, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. I have the game on, and I have you guys the radio on, the television and radio at the same time. I'm one of those nerds, so uh, <laughs> I love it. And uh, Jeff Charles, David, and Marty, they're the best, and uh, I'm glad they have you and, and Kevin because um, it makes it very entertaining to listen and to watch the games. Well, I'll tell you, those those guys you mentioned, they're all first class. I've, I've enjoyed going on the road with the Pirates and spending time with David and Marty and Jeff um, and popping in on home games and sitting alongside Kevin in the booth for home games. Um, it's a special bunch. They're very passionate about the Pirates, and they do a great job. No doubt. I hope you guys have a safe trip and see if you can uh... – Sneak out there and punt some for us or get some extra points for us. It'll be awesome. Only if uh, Bubba long snaps. That'll be cool. Uh-oh. <laughs> Andrew, uh, 
Now I could catch a snap and get off a punt if we needed to. It may not go very far with my uh, tight hamstrings and lack of flexibility at the age of 41 now. But uh, <laughs> no, I, I was like you. I was a punter, and not a, not a snapper. But uh, you know how you know how you don't want to. Ever on, know man. the snapper's name? I, I, I promise you, folks, who know my name. Can you hold? Can you hold the kicks, Bubba? How are you at holding? I never, I never held. You never held as a punter. Wow! Come on, Bubba, be be an athlete. <laughs> Step up, yeah. Next man up. Next man up, Bubba. That's right. Hey, here's your chance. You can play for the Pirates. They'll no, never know the difference that you've never played for the Pirates before, and we can sneak you in there, and and uh, all of a sudden we'll. Have this miracle in Cincinnati. Outstanding. All right. Thanks, Andrew. Have a great call, and we'll talk to you again soon, man. Safe travels and go Pirates. All right, boys. Thank you. Have a great night. You too, man. Bye bye. He's the best. Appreciate Andrew so much for uh, going overtime. And Bubba, I'll tell you what. uh, Bubba, I just want to ask Bubba this real fast before we uh, wrap it up, Dave. Uh, Bubba, you punted at two schools. You punted the Averett and then a school in Kentucky. I can't think of the name of it. Right. Uh, which one do you hold more in dear? Obviously, you're a pirate, but do you have a special place for the Averett? Are they the Braves? No, we we were the Cougars. Okay. All right. Why Why was I thinking the Braves? I've been to that basketball gym up there. I, I don't know. Mate. Chawan was in our conference. They were the Braves. They, they've obviously since – Changed their name as a lot of teams have to be politically correct, but uh, and what was the school in Kentucky you played for back then? It was uh, it was the Cumberland College, now it's the University of the Cumberland. Okay, do you, do you hold either one of those in, in, in a more special place than the other, Averett or uh, Cumberland? No, no, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm a pirate. <laughs> you always, always wish you were in Greenwell the whole time, yeah. That's a story for uh, another show, as they say. For sure, we're talking about that off the air earlier uh, today. Bubba, a lot of great shows. Uh, Speaking of great shows, it's a busy time for us as we have football and basketball. By the way, I put it up there. Congratulations to our uh, Lady Pirates. They won tonight 71-35 over South Carolina State. But tomorrow night's the men's game, first game with a new era with Mike Schwartz. And you had a great interview earlier today, right? Yeah, I caught up with former East Carolina assistant coach. I mean, he served on the staff, I guess, of Matt McCarthy as well as Jeff Lebo. Um, so, no stranger to Pirate Nation, Michael Perry. Second year now as the color analyst alongside Jeff Charles uh, as Cy Seymour moved over to the ESPN Plus telecast. But I uh, had an excellent 20-minute conversation with Coach Perry about Michael Schwartz, uh, this new-look Pirates roster, and – Tomorrow night's opponent, the Mercer Bears, out of the SoCon. Uh, they've they've won an average of 17 games over the last three seasons. So I think the, the Pirates are one-and-a-half-point underdogs in this one. So basically a pick them. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting for, for sure uh, tomorrow night. And I'm going to be at that – I'll be at the game. I will take the kids tomorrow night, so that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, first game for Coach Schwartz. We'll see how he do it. And a lot of the newcomers and some of the uh, the guys that stayed on uh, during the Dooley era that stayed on with Coach Schwartz. So we'll see how that uh, turns out too. And Bubba, I know a lot of great weekday programming that we have going on right now. And uh, absolute empowerment, of course, on Monday nights. Right now you're watching live. Uh, for those of you who are watching live and listening, Pirate Preview. 
tomorrow night, uh, you have, excuse me, Wednesday night, Pirate Breakdown with Sutton Young and Sonny Semenza. Thursday, the Inside Slant is a weekly college football preview. Friday, Bubba does a nice job of Pirates Life for me. Last week was Shane Carden. Looking forward to that. And, of course, uh, we, we'll have the game Friday night. Uh, well, we won't have the sight and sounds around Dowdy Fickle, being that it's not a home game. But then on Sunday, LNK Custom Homes will give you the Pirate football playback, and we'll uh, have that on Sunday night uh, in prime time. I can say that. So we'll do all that. Appreciate Bubba for yeah, all his hard and, and we may try to cut in like we did in the BYU game and do a halftime show. Yeah, um, right. uh, particularly if Bubba can get a spot in the stadium. Uh, so we so j- just uh, check your live feeds, guys, on Facebook, YouTube. We we may do a little halftime show like we did during the uh, BYU game during the Cincinnati game, kind of yeah. break down the way things are going. And uh, we will have sights and sounds around Nippert. Uh, okay. So. And so uh, stay tuned for that. And then um, tomorrow night and we'll, we'll have a Pirate Basketball Overtime, our first one of the season, and uh, first one of the Mike Schwartz era. We'll, we'll see how the Pirates do against the Bears. And I will not be taking part of that. I have, If anybody is a classic game fan, I, uh, if you want to listen, uh, I'll be taping tomorrow night and, and live, but listen to it later, watch, uh, watch the uh, – Basketball playback, but uh, I will be taking part in a Atari podcast as uh, one of my unknown talents, as I am an expert on uh, all things Atari. And uh, so I will be taking part of that with our good friend Stevie Fly. So uh, check that out wherever you listen to podcasts or on YouTube, uh, on the Fly podcast there with Stevie. So uh, we will be doing a little uh, Atari talk last night. So, guys, I will be missing overtime as I have prior commitments. That's okay. We'll uh, take good care of it. And, uh, you know how much I love um, retro gamers, well, Kyle. So uh, the Atari days are near and dear to my heart uh, for sure. In fact, I have a whole bunch of uh, game systems, as you, as you know. But we'll uh, maybe one day we'll talk about that on a show in the summertime for sure. Uh, Bubba, I see you there. You have up there on the screen, Team Boneyard. Uh, by the way, I want to mention, uh, appreciate uh, Team Boneyard. for the, We had Jeremy Lewis on last week. Um, by the way, I want to mention one thing, and we will get out of here, guys. Look at that. Kyle from the Grange is Pong champion. You dad going right, Craig. Hey, you know, Pong's a Pong, you know, I honestly, to me, um, revolutionary for when it came out, but not one of my favorite games. Uh, sorry, obviously, it was a standalone system and then ported to the 2600. But uh, uh, to me, to me, video games really started to reach another level when Space Invaders came out. Uh, Pong is even a you know for any a guy who loves Atari is a bit simplistic even for me. Um, so, well, but, hey, um, it got the ball rolling so to speak. But um, by the way, guys, before we get out of here, checked at the ticket office today. We're at around forty thousand tickets sold for uh, the Houston game. That's good, but we can do a lot better. I don't care win, lose, or draw on Friday night. I feel like we're going to win. Get your tickets one eight hundred dial ECU. Or you can uh, go online uh, to ecpirates.com. Yeah, and, and to tag on that, Dave, uh, as you saw today, the game is in a six-game hold. If you yep. haven't heard that for kickoff time, uh, it's looking like most likely 4 p.m. or 11 a.m., which is extremely odd. Um, but uh, also there could be uh, 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 some windows in there that if it doesn't get picked up by ESPN2 or ESPNU for 4 p.m. or 11 a.m., um, a possible uh, – if it goes to plus, it will probably be at 3, 5, or 6. So uh, it, I'm hoping for four. 
Um, if it's 11, it doesn't bother me. It's going to bother a lot of other people, though. Uh, so, you know, it, it'll hurt attendance. And I did, I did want to say one more thing. Thanks, everybody, for continued thoughts and prayers. As I am now in the chemo phase of my treatment for cancer. And uh, chemo ain't no fun, y'all. I'll tell you that much. But uh, continued thoughts and prayers. Uh, I appreciate them. And uh, that's all I got, guys. All right. And I uh, appreciate all our great sponsors you see above the screen there. Uh, from LNK Custom Homes, we have uh, Porky's Backyard Barbecue, P- pgxgloves.com, and we appreciate all them uh, so much. Thanks to Andrew Bass, ECU Hall of Famer, great punter. Thank you, Bubba, behind the scenes, right here behind the mic. Thank you, Kyle, brother, praying hard for you. And obviously, Matt couldn't join us tonight. He's been working hard this week. We'll give it, say a big prayer for him, as I know he's got work schedule is uh, really rough the next week or two. Don't so. worry about it, Matt. Don't sweat it. It ain't worth it, baby. Believe me. That's that's right. We'll got to hear Pirate Preview on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody. And as always, go Pirates. Every yard, every first down, every touchdown with the cannons blast. Get it on, get it all, get the wave going, let the hurt.